0: I definitely want to reiterate what uh, Jacob said, which is if you're visiting with us, uh, especially if it's for the very first time, we really want you to feel like you're amongst family. And uh, hopefully what I mean by that is that you'll join us in singing, and then especially at this time you'll be attentive to God's Word and give yourself over to whatever it is that He is trying to accomplish in your life. Amen? Amen. I mean, I, I, how about they lost me? Okay. I was getting ready to say, how about that good news from the Bartlow's family? A bit earlier than today. And so uh, I knew they were expecting, but I didn't know they were ready to make the announcement this morning. And I'm glad they did, because I knew that this would uh, certainly point us to God. And how, remind us of how he is constantly listening and being attentive to our prayers. And uh, the truth is, had I known he was going to share that today, my sermon would have been a lot shorter. Because, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, the Spirit have moved in such an incredible, he's always moving. But he's moved in such an incredible way this morning where I feel like he's merged the sharing with the sermon. And that's always good for a preacher because you feel like, okay, wow, what I prepared makes sense. And uh, maybe there are hearts here primed to hear this. You're visiting. uh, If this is your first Sunday this year, 2018, that you're visiting with us, let me give you a brief summary of the journey we've been in so far. So, as a region of the DFW Church, we have decided to focus on prayer the entire year. You know, we're setting aside 2018 as the year of prayer. Now, the goal in this is that we will become what God desires us to become and what I believe Jesus highlights in the Gospels, and that is his house will be a house of prayer. So as God's people, right, as, as the spiritual body, the spiritual house that he dwells in, that this house will be a house of prayer. Earlier this month, we began a sermon series entitled, I'm sorry. Okay, great. So I'll try and continue. I'm easily distracted, so this is going to be a doozy here. Anyway, so earlier this month, February here, we started a uh, sermon series entitled Managing God's Assets. And uh, Mark has been, uh, I I believe, has allowed God to use him in an incredible way there in helping us to think about how we are to manage our money in a spiritual way. Not just simply just kind of do the budget, figure out what needs to be paid, or just think about what is it I need, but really to think about how does God want me to manage what belongs to him anyway. And so we started that series with the... uh, goal of actually weaving in prayer throughout the year. So today, I'm not going to talk about managing our assets, but I want to talk about prayer. And in particular, the title of uh, our sermon this morning is, Will There Be Faith? You know, you can't talk about prayer without addressing faith. You know, there's no other areas in our lives like prayer and evangelism, I believe, where we can really see where is our faith, our trust in God. As we uh been talking this, uh, this beginning of the year, as I mentioned, you know, we've, made, we've committed ourselves as a region to a few things. I know many of us now are praying. If we're married, we're praying with our spouse Daily. Maybe you haven't started that yet. Let me encourage you to do that, right? If you're married, pray with your wife. If you're a husband, you're married. Obviously, you're married if you're a husband. <laughs> pray with your wife daily. Wives, pray with your husband daily. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you have a roommate and that's your situation. Those of us who are in that, those situations, we're praying with our roommates, Others of us are getting on the phone and just praying with our prayer partner, but we're doing this regularly. That's one thing we've committed ourselves to. Another thing we've committed ourselves to is praying multiple times throughout the day. You know, I, uh, I definitely used to be of the mindset that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have the three, four hour prayer time with God. And certainly there are times for that. And we see Jesus sets that example in the Gospels, right? He prayed throughout the night. But really what we see in Scripture is the call to connect with God and pray continuously throughout the day. And so that's another thing we've committed to where we're praying more than once a day. Some of us have taken on the the goal of praying three times a day. The other thing that we've committed to is we've committed to praying impossible prayers, Many of us have a list, right? We're praying. Maybe yours is just one. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's three. However, many they are, we're committed as a region. We're going to start praying, talking to God about these things we believe are impossible in our eyes because we trust Him. So I say all that to ask you how is it going? How are you doing with going to God more often? This year, you know, sometimes we pray for a change in our lives or in the lives of our loved ones, and yet nothing happens. We've had people come up here, and they've shared how God have answered their prayers in a favorable way, meaning what they've asked for, God has allowed it to happen. But there are some of us where what we're asking for, God is possibly saying, no, not yet. Not that one. I've got something else in mind. Or, yeah, you're close, you're in the vicinity of what you need, but you're not really hitting what you need. So, sometimes we pray, and nothing's changed. We do what we can, but God seems to be silent. You know, I I think I've heard uh, Jacob shared about, you know, their miracle baby for a few t- times now. And, you know, he can't share it without... Tears welling up in his eyes, and I think again, it's because you go through that moment where God just seems silent. Nothing's happening. Can you are you hearing me? From our perspective, during those times, our prayers seem like they are falling on deaf ears. God, where are you? So, what do we do in those moments? And some of us that's exactly where we're at. What do we do? Do we stop praying? Is that the goal? And as I've uh, been uh, studying out prayer, I, I mentioned this during one of our midweek services, that this year I'm going through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, really focusing on the theme of prayer. i learned in my Bible studies so far, in those moments where it seems like God's not hearing us or what we're praying for is not happening, here's what I think is really important for us to think about. You know, in those moments, we need to be reminded of what God thinks about our faith. You know, if we're not focused on that, if we don't realize that God puts a high premium on our faith, a lot of times it leads to a stop praying and stop trusting God. You know, God places, as I said, a high premium on faith. It's a big deal to him. Your faith is a big deal to him. It's through our faith that we express trust in God. In other words, your faith, my faith, tells God, I trust you. Whatever it is you're doing here, I trust you. Faith is a big deal to Him. Consider Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This is what the Bible says it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You know, it's impossible for us to really move from a place of living a life that's not pleasing to God to where we're actually accepting what he desires for our life if we don't have faith and we don't trust God. It's impossible. So faith is a big deal. Consider Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So we know and we understand it's by grace that I've been saved, right? I used to live the life where I was in bondage to sin, where the best of me couldn't really get rid of the, sin that, the sins I was doing, let alone the ones that I've done in the past, but it's God's grace, his unmerited favor that saved us. But of course it says here, how has he done it? He's done it through your faith. So our faith is a big deal. God saved us through our faith. So my decision to trust God, to do as he's calling me to do, he's used that as a way of giving me the grace that I need. You know, I know we read that verse, and it give, and, and we do give God credit for grace because we say, you know what? Yeah, I, there's nothing I could have done. Right? Even if I were, if I had the ability to stop sinning today, stop doing all the things that are wrong today, But how about all the other things I've done that put this wall between me and God? That's destroyed relationships that I I'm in. How, what do I do with that? So we give God credit for grace, and and we read that scripture, and rightly so, but we sometimes think faith, should I use that now? Okay. Thank you. All right, I think uh, the message is the same, it's just a different mic. So again, you know, what I was getting ready to tell you there is that it's true, you know, we we give God credit when we read Ephesians 2, verse 8, for the faith, for the grace, right? And then we say, well, it's, it's our faith. And sometimes, you know, we can put or give ourselves credit for our faith, though, because we said, you know, it's our faith. As if faith is something we develop on our own. And this is why, you know, when you read Ephesians 2, verse 8, and where it says, this is not your own doing, don't just say, well, that means the grace part, but it's all of it. Saving you by grace through faith, that's all God's doing. If God was not working behind the scenes to give you reasons to trust him or to sustain your trust in him, faith would not be possible. Yes, it's my faith. Right. Yes, it's your faith. We choose to trust God, but it's our response to what he's done. You and I cannot develop or maintain faith on our own without God's help. So that, too, is a gift from God. You know, uh, this uh, the fifth of this month, I celebrated my 23rd year as a Christian. And uh, yes, that's, if if you knew me back then, you'd clap a little louder. God has definitely saved me. Uh, No, I wasn't going around killing people or anything like that. But yeah, the deceit, the hatred, and all of that stuff, the religiosity and the hypocrisy was as bad as going around killing people. But you know, God saved me. But when I think back the 23 years ago, When I was developing faith and making a decision to really become a Christian, I realized, you know what, some of those decisions I made required faith. I mean, here I was, a 19-year-old, you know, I was in a dating relationship, one in which I had been immoral for two years, and now I was making a decision to set boundaries of purity in that relationship. For a 19-year-old whose hormones are all over the place, that's a big deal, And that takes faith to make that decision. You know, I think about another decision I made. You know, I I was born in Haiti. When I was 10, we moved IT. You know, we we moved. I forgot, I don't have this uh, headset. So we we moved. And when I say we, my mom, myself, and uh, my uh, two sisters, uh, at the time, my dad was already in the States, Uh, establishing uh, himself and making sure that he's uh, attained the right status to have us come over. And uh, so in 1985, which was July 20th to be exact, we moved here. And on July 21st, the day after we arrived here, we started to attend an all-Haitian Baptist church. And that's the church I grew up in. All of my family, they're there, the ones who were here before I was. And yet, when I was studying the Bible, I realized, wow, there's so much in the teaching there. Again, love the people. They raised me. But when I looked at the word of God and I looked at some of what was being taught there, and I thought, man, this is not in line with the word of God. And I've had, I was at a point where I had to make the decision to tell my parents, I don't think this is where God wants me to be. Again, 19 years old, traditional Haitian home, I brought you to America. America. I can send you right back (laughs) to Haiti. And here I was making this decision. And not just for me. Any one of you here who, if you're a Christian today, you have made decisions based on faith. You needed faith to become a Christian. And you need faith to remain a Christian. God knows that about us. Our faith is really important to him. He hears our prayers in light of our faith so Pierre then tell me how does remembering that how God feels or thinks about think about my faith how does that help me in the moments where I feel like I'm talking to him I'm praying to him but he's silent how does that help me and some of you are like yes tell us I mean, maybe you're at a point right now, you are trying to make a decision. Do I keep praying here? Maybe worse, some of us, do I continue to walk in this way? Maybe being a Christian is not for me. And that may sound a little bit exaggerated, but I had a friend who made the decision not to be a Christian any longer because for years he prayed that God would allow him to meet someone to become a Christian, and at that point in his life, it had not happened yet. And he called me, he said, I don't know if I can keep being a Christian. But maybe that's the decision you're making. So how does remembering that God values my faith or my faith is a big deal, how does that help me in those moments when it seems like he's not hearing me? Turn to Luke chapter 18 and we'll look at a parable that Jesus told starting in verse 1 here. I think we're ready to hear or see exactly what Jesus said about the matter directly. In verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice, against my adversary for sometimes he refused but finally he said to himself even though I don't fear God or care what people think yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me hey he's uh you know, he's aware of what's, what he's afraid of, right? Verse 6, and the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? on the earth. Will there be earth, will there be faith rather when Jesus wraps this thing all up? Will I have faith? Will you have faith? Will you continue to trust that God knows what's best and it's not really the result that we are to always be focused on. You know, the point here of the, far- of the parable is that God is not an unjust judge. Okay? Jesus is using this unjust judge to make a point about how God is not like that. And even if, and he's saying that, you know, you think about it, if even unjust judges respond to constant pressure, how much more will a loving God respond out of goodness to his children who are pleading on his behalf. He knows what we need before we even utter the words, guys. But here's what I think we forget sometimes, And what we need to remember is that we need to remember that prayer involves learning what God wants for our lives, not just what we want him to do for us. God is thinking about the big picture, your faith, maintaining it. Sustaining your faith. And through prayer we learn what it is that He wants for our lives. Sometimes that requires wrestling with what we're asking for and what he's either doing or not doing. Unfortunately, many of our prayers are give me sessions. Right? Where it's gimme, 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 give me, give me, give me, gimme, gimme, gimme. And quite frankly, that's not a problem because God himself, he invites us to ask him for what we need. So that's not the problem. But sometimes the problem is when we ask, but we don't really want to know what he thinks about what we're asking. I don't, know, I don't want to know how you feel or think about this request here. Just grant it, please. That's where the problem lies. Of course he wants us to rely on him. Of course he wants us to come to him and trust him. But we also have to remember that God is all-knowing. He's got the big pictures. He knows what we need. This is what Jesus is addressing here. God will meet the needs of those who belong to him. The question is, will you continue to trust him when he doesn't grant your request in the way that you desire? Will you continue to trust him when your timing doesn't match his? Will you? Will you continue to trust him when he says no? I mean, will will the thinking still be, I trust God. He knows what's best. I'm asking this because this is what I understand I need. This is what, you know, considering the challenges in my life, this would be great if this happens. But you know what? I'm going to God. He knows what's best. Yes, I'm going to ask for what. I believe I need, but ultimately, he decides. Will that still be what we do? And you know, which this makes sense when we think about children and parents. I want you to think for a minute. Go back to when you were six years old. For some of us, that's a hard thing to do, right? (laughs) But just try your best, right? Think about when you were six years old. And I want you to imagine your parent coming to you and saying, you know, uh, Jamal, we, we want you to really be responsible for the budget, the family budget. You decide what amount to allocate to what and what we spend our money on. You make, we, we work, we bring you the money, you decide, you make, you make the budget. Now, I don't know what you were like at six years old, but if that was my situation, there would be a lot of candy and a lot of toys in that house. Because I don't have the big picture. I don't even know how at six years old. Yes, I understand that I need money to purchase things. But I don't understand. That's the bigger picture. And I don't fully understand that there are things that we have we need to make payments on continually, that's the big picture. A six-year-old doesn't have that. You know, in the same way, God has the big picture. We're praying for him to provide for us in the moment, and he's thinking about eternity. He's thinking about your faith. He's thinking about my faith. And that's, you know, I believe when we, when we stop and we think about how he values our faith and wants to provide for our faith for eternity then it helps us in the moment where we don't think he's listening. You know, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read here in verse 5. Come on, bro. You know, I, um, I looked at the, uh, the message version here. The, of course, the message uh, version is a paraphrase. And so sometimes it really helps us to put it in light of our own situation, where we're at current time, but it's definitely not a, uh, the, the translation that I would use to study my Bible and really learn doctrine and really what God's calling me to do. But here when you read First Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 9, in the message uh, uh, version there, it says, and just listen to this, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation In the meantime, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through the suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your goal, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to, total salvation. You know, what good would it be to start our journey of, uh, as spiritual men and women with faith, but only to have that dwindles, dwindle rather, and at a point where we don't make it to the end? Right. To make bold decisions to follow Jesus, but yet allow our faith to deteriorate and we don't make it to be in heaven with God. This is great that we get to be with God on this level, this way. But a time is coming and what God promised us, we'll be in heaven with him and see him face to face. And some of this craziness of this world that we deal with will no longer be. We need faith to be able to make it there. So Jesus, what is he saying? What's the practical here? The practical is don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep going to God with your request. Keep asking him. He knows what we need. He knows what we want. He knows ultimately we are designed to be with him in heaven. And he will sustain our faith. He will help us get there. But we need to keep praying and keep trusting him and not give up, even though the trials are many. This is how we continue to trust God. You know, as I wind down my thoughts to a close this morning, let me highlight an area that I believe many of us can afford to be much more faithful in both in our prayers and our actions. Can I do that this morning? We're family, ain't we? You know, as I mentioned earlier, I got baptized on February 5th, 1995. I remember the day like it was yesterday. You know, we were out all day before the baptism, which took place uh, a little bit after 8 p.m. You know, I had this same clothes on I had throughout the day, so when I got dressed up in my baptism clothes, you know, my knees were, my legs were ashy. And, uh, And I remember a brother pointing that out. And it's like, I don't care, bro. I just want my sins forgiven. So I'm ready to go into baptism, no matter how dry and the baptistry, no matter how dry my legs were. But you know, it was an incredible day. You know, the brother who invited me to study the Bible after getting baptized, his name is Ho Chi Guyong. You know, I found out after my baptism that Ho Chi had been praying and fasting for several months to meet someone who was seeking that he could help become a Christian. And if I remember the story correctly, Ho Chi had decided that he wouldn't shave his beard off until he met that person and helped them to get baptized. Now, unbeknownst to him, on January 3rd, which was the day that Ho Chi invited me to study the Bible, That morning, I woke up, and I prayed, and I asked God, I said, if you show me how to live, I promise to do it. If you show me how to live accurately. Because although I was religious, I would go to church every Sunday, but I was aware of the hypocrisy in my life. And I got to a point where I thought, this can't be it. It's not all of it, right? And so I prayed that prayer, and on the third of January in 1995, on the campus of NJIT, Ho Chi extended an invitation to me to study the Bible. And a month later, I became a Christian. That's a picture of Ho Chi and I. Uh, we took this picture uh, in December of last—yeah, uh, actually December of last year. Uh, we were at a wedding together. Uh, he's a faithful Christian living in North Carolina with his Christian wife and their children. Uh, just the way God has has tied us together. But I always think about the fact that that's, Chi was praying to be fruitful in that way. And, you know, it's not just in New Jersey where I got baptized where I I, I think that that was the heart of Christians. Even here in Dallas, you know, my, my wife Shara, she was going through a crazy period in her life, you know, drama with the boyfriend and all of that. And, and really, yes, there was another before me. <laughs> but God was faithful. He allowed her to think spiritually. And but, you know, she was at a point in her life where that, that thing wasn't working out. Life wasn't working out. She was hoping. She started going to church. She didn't grow up going to church regularly, but she started going to church reading the Bible and hoping. And it was, uh, I don't remember the exact day, and I'll mess it up if I say it here, but I think it was March 9th, fifteenth, March fifteenth, 1998. One of the sisters on UTA campus stood up and gave an invitation to everybody in a particular room to come out to a Bible discussion on campus. She did study the Bible not long after that. I believe it was two weeks became a Christian. Right? It was really the culture of this group that we're praying, we're hoping, we're running after, we want to help people become Christian. That was the faith that we had. So let me ask you, have you stopped praying for those who are seeking? Think about that. You know, we can't stop praying about finding those who are seeking. We need to stay active in, the, in this area of our faith. There are, there are people who are looking for answers. They're looking for a way to come out of the bondage of sin and bad habits that they're in. There are some, they're seeking, they don't even realize it. They don't even know. They don't know what the solution is. But we understand the effect that God has had in our lives And if we are not faithful in continuing to trust God, where we're in prayer for those who are seeking and not giving up, then it's unfortunate God will not be able to have the impact in our lives that he wants to in this way. You know, I think about, well, why should we do that? Because it's God's will. You know, listen to these verses real quickly. You know, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, it says, uh, this is Jesus here. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, probably the passage that your Bible would open up to automatically back in the days if you dropped it by mistake. Verse 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Colossians 4, 3 says, pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mis- mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. And lastly, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and, and through 6 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions... Prayers and tocession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. It's God's will for us to find those who are seeking to help them, point them to scripture, share our lives with them, and God has worked in our lives so that they themselves can be saved. The Bible said it's good and it pleases God. You know, uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. Because I want to convince you this is God's word, not mine's. One of the things that's helping me with sharing my faith, especially in the moments where, you know what, I'm not finding that guy who's seeking. I'm not finding him. The thing that's that's helping me is this verse here. It says in verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul is talking about more than evangelism here. I understand. But the principle applies, right? It's good for us to share with people what God is doing in our lives. I feel like even when I don't land on the guy who's seeking when I share, but I'm doing what's good. I'm sharing the good news. And so we need to ask ourselves again, have you stopped praying to find the person who's seeking? And if you have, let me encourage you to do this this morning. And maybe even go a little further and say, let me challenge you to do this. If you are a disciple of Jesus or or studying to be one, let me encourage you to start praying to find someone who's seeking God And for you and those in your small group to help them find God. How's that for a challenge? Again, I know some of us, we're diligently praying. We're sharing. We're doing But some of us, we've forgotten to do this. We've given up. We're not persistent in doing this. And so this is an area I really want us to call us to commit to, again, where we're praying to help others be saved, especially those who are seeking. You know, as I close here this morning, you know, just imagine, imagine what our neighborhoods would be like, what this immediate area of the Metroplex would be like when you have this amount of disciples and those who are striving to be one. Well, we're out there doing good, trusting God, being persistent and praying for others, praying for the challenges in our lives, but trusting that he will provide what we need. He will supply our faith so that that way we can make it to the end and be with him. Imagine the effect that that will have. You know, this month, our nation honors black history. And, you know, it's it's, it's an incredible area in our history to be able to see men and women who are willing to do good no matter what no matter what the opposition was. And I want to share one such person with you. You know, her name is Aramita. I couldn't have pronounced that. I asked Shara, she couldn't either. But Aramita Ross is her name. She was born in slavery in 1822 in Dorchester County, Maryland. In 1849, at the age of 27, she escaped to Philadelphia, where she lived as a free woman. Then immediately, she returned to Maryland to rescue her family. Slowly, one group at a time, she brought relatives with her out of the state. You know, it's recorded in history that she helped over 300 slaves Escape to freedom through the Underground Railroad. You know, we all know her as Harriet Tubman, but that's not the name she was born with, right? Uh, you know, Harriet Tubman is definitely an example to us when we think about spiritually what God is calling us to do is to continue to share and do what is good despite the challenges, to be men and women who persevere, who have faith, no matter what the results or the responses are, because we know our God is good. At this time, let's go to God in prayer. (laughs) Father, we are so thankful that you are God, that uh, you know all things, that you understand and perceive things and absorb things in ways that we don't father we uh, desire to continue to trust you no matter what's happening in our lives we know that you know what's best and however way you choose to answer our prayers we know that's what we need this morning we pray that we can continue to be people that trust you fully and whatever it is we're in